Almost Daily Devotional, podcast episode number 162. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Almost Daily Devotional. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. Today, I'm going to be talking about the only thing that counts when it comes to our faith. Well, my friends, I tell you, I have been on quite an incredible journey, and I can't even begin to fathom how long this journey goes back. Um, I guess I could argue it, it happened, it started way before I was born and, and God knew that I would exist and be here at this time and place in, in, in his story. Uh, some could argue it took place, you know, this, the, the journey kind of began as, uh, you know, as a born and, and God began to pursue me there. And uh, I, I guess for me, I could say, you know, sometimes I'm I'm tempted to believe that the journey began December 9th, 1991, when I first accepted and said Christ and, and, and his forgiveness and said, you know, I want to follow you. I know who you are. I know that you're real. I know that I am a sinner with absolutely nothing to offer you. And I understand and accept your love and grace and forgiveness for my life. And, and I want to follow you. And uh, I would argue that maybe that's when this journey began. Uh, quite an incredible one, like I said. Uh, and then I could even say that, you know, five and a half, about five years ago, um, you know, it, it, you know, you know the, the journey where it began, it doesn't matter. Where am I today? Because this is the Almost Daily Devotional. This is not the About the Church podcast, which, by the way, there's uh, episode number 121 goes right along with this episode of About the Church, if you go over to atcpodcast.com, that's atcpodcast.com, that's the About the Church, episode number 121 is titled, Not Going to Church Anymore, all right, so, uh, but but what does that have to do with today, the, you know, the Almost Daily Devotion, my goal is to keep these things pretty, rel- relatively short, I shoot for 10 minutes, but today I'm probably going to go over. Um, here's the situation. I am a worksaholic. All right. Many people who know me know that I'm a, you know, know that I do. I am quite a bit of a workaholic as well. Um, uh, God's working on me on that and, and has, has done some amazing things in those last week. And, and I will tell you, it's, it's awesome. And I feel excited about it. Um, but that'll probably come in a different episode of the almost daily devotional, to be honest with you. Um, but anyway, not only am I a workaholic, but I am a worksaholic. You know, works by you know, I, I I believe fully that faith without works is dead. But man, let me tell you, my faith based upon my works is equally as dead, and and left to rot and sit out and fester. It smells nasty. It, it's it's painful to to be around. And and my faith, based upon my works, is it, it, it was it was crazy, you know. And 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 what do I mean by this? You know, did 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 I somehow believe that I earned my salvation? That 
that when I came to Christ that that I felt like it, you know, maybe my prayer was my work, you know, that that God, I I I'm I'm doing what you asked me to do because now I am I am doing something. Now I'm earning my salvation through you by saying this prayer. No, it, it wasn't even something that crazy, something that tedious. But um, you know, we we believers believe that it, because God's word tells us so that that we are saved by grace and not by works so that no one can boast. And and so the the God's gift of freedom <clears throat> from from sin, God's gift of freedom from the penalty of sin, which is death and separation from God, uh, can consider hell whatever you want, um, what it might look like, feel like, you know, and all that other, and how you describe it, doesn't matter. To be separated from God is is what hell is, and 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 I just don't want that. And um, I've been set free from that penalty, and I, and and it's not because of anything I did. He loved me. Uh, God pursued me. Not because I was good enough, not because I was worthy. Um, I, I he pursued me because he loved me, and he loved me unconditionally. He 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 loved me, and, and he says, "I want you." And and so when I came to Christ and, and and accepted him as my savior, I did not do it by any works imaginable. I I couldn't imagine anything I could do to earn that love, to earn that favor to earn that gift. And for me, what happened is over the last 20 years, I, you know, I, well, let me just say that, that when I first became a Christ follower, I was so excited and, in, and overjoyed at my relationship with God. It, I mean, it was out of this world awesomeness. I mean, it was like, whoa. I, I mean, my heart sang praises. My, I mean, it, Certainly my voice didn't because, you know, I don't have the greatest voice to sing. But, you know, but my eye was leaping for joy. I, I was I was the most excited person. I, I, I was reading the scriptures not because anybody told me I had to, but because I could. I wanted to know God. I was wanting to hear from God. And I remember the scriptures being alive and active and and speaking directly to my heart and my soul and guiding me and and wow, what an it was it was amazing. It was amazing. And and I got involved in this thing called the holiness movement. Um, which sounds almost like a cult, but it's not, I don't think. But uh it, you know, it's it, this I was involved in the Nazarene church and and I and and all of a sudden I, I felt God's call on my life to devote myself to a life of ministry, of serving others and sharing the good news. And through that pursuit, I was I was told that, you know, that really the that God must obviously be calling you to be a pastor. And so we're going to put you back on. We're going to put you on this track. And I started studying and I, I got the Nazarene denominational manual that, that talks about right Christian living and the way we believe and what we believe and what the rules are. And I remember, uh, you know, going to Bible study classes and and these other particular studies put together by the Nazarene Church, and and I remember at a, a certain meeting, I won't say what meeting, but uh, at a certain meeting before I could accept my my district license as a minister in the Nazarene Church, I, I remember them asking me, and I had to have the proper answer to 
to get my license, and that is, are you entirely sanctified? Are you perfect? Are, are you living a life without sin? And, and you know, that, that now th- that's fast-forwarding several years after I became a Christian. But, uh, but let me tell you, before, before that, uh, actually, no, that's not. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that is. That is yeah, several years. But before that, uh, you know, the, from the time I entered this thing called the institutional church, I, I felt a calling to be perfect, to be holy like your Father in heaven is holy. And, and, and um, you know, I just, just all this other stuff. And, and, and I started to try to live my life without sin. And and I trust me, I believe that that's what God desires for us. He de- desires for us to live a a free from sin life and and stuff like that. But to to think that I've achieved it is just like what seriously? Because what happened would be I would feel guilty every time that I fall short in any way, shape, or form. And of course, I know that the Nazarene Church doesn't mean to to teach these kind of things. But I will tell you. Any little thing that I did to slip up, I felt I felt bad, and oftentimes I I was made to feel bad by other believers in the church, and and that you know, gosh, Cliff, you know, you you, you maybe maybe you're you're just not loving God enough, maybe you're not reading the Bible enough, maybe you're not doing this enough, you know, maybe if you would do this, maybe if you would just give up that, go and do this, you know, and and then all of a sudden, what happened was. I would feel really bad and mostly I would not feel really bad um, because of conviction of the Holy Spirit, but of guilt put on and shame by my brothers and sisters in Christ. And not that they meant to do this intentionally to hurt me or anything in any way, shape or form, but I I started to feel real guilty. I, I remember there was a time when you know, going to church and, and stuff like that. And because of some things, I, I missed church a couple weeks in a row and and all of a sudden, people are like, we're really concerned about your spiritual health because you haven't been at church. And I'm like, wow, gosh, maybe they're right. And and I noticed that, that you know, I, I'm starting to feel bad about that myself and I can't miss church. And and before I know it, before I knew it somewhere, and I don't even know where it happened, but sometime, somewhere, I got to the place where I not not necessarily that my salvation was in question because the good news is <laughs> that I was in this involved in this church that says you know once you're saved you're always saved kind of a, a a deal you know unless you commit this thing called an act of apostasy, um, which I never felt in danger of doing, but um, anyway it, it's it's just like but it, here's the situation, I got to the point where. Guilt and shame became equated with conviction of the Holy Spirit. And me feeling good about my relationship somewhere down the road went from just feeling the good news of God loves me more than anything. God pursues me and that I am accepted by him not because of anything I've ever done or will do, um, or anything that I haven't done or won't do. I am not saved by any of that. I am not in a relationship with God by any of that. I am in a relationship with God because of the imputed righteousness of Christ, meaning that Jesus is the only truly perfect 
follower, a human out there. And, and he lived and he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and, and God took his righteousness, his perfectness and counted it towards my account. It's he, he, he basically wiped out my debt. I owe zero, nothing. And, and I guess what happened was that it's kind of like I've, I've been, you know, deeply in debt, you know, digging in, you know, just just buried in debt. And then all of a sudden, when I became a Christ follower, I felt the freedom that came from not owing anything anymore and just being free to love. And 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 not that just, you know, go out and love and share this great news. And I remember it, I, I, just how excited I was. And then all of a sudden, somewhere down the road, I began to think that there was a, an account that was being kept, you know, and and that that every time that I sinned, I need to work. I needed to work it off, and and I and not that not that I believe that the church taught me this. I don't want to. I don't want to put place blame there. All right. I think it's just the way that the church operates today, and I'm not talking about the true church. I'm talking about this insti- institutionalized religion that we got going on today. I, I think I think that it's unintentional, but it very much led me, and I've seen it lead hundreds of other people personally. Um, I, I've seen it lead me and hundreds of other people to the place where you, every time you sin, you feel like you need to work it off. You know, you, matter of fact, and sometimes just, you know, the things that are to work off sin, that, that if you don't do those, those are sin in and of themselves, like not going to church every Sunday or not reading your Bible every day or not spending time in alone with God every day or, or not, um, what, I don't know. You insert the other thing, not, not participating, not volunteering at a minute for a ministry at, in the church building, you know, not going to prayer meetings, you know, with the church, not going to this. And, 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 you know, so what happened was I, I got to the point where I became really good at doing all of those things. And by golly, I felt really great about it. I really felt great about all, you know, church attendance and I really felt great about I remember being so excited as a as a teenager. This is before I even started the Nazarene Church. I remember as a teenager um uh, and this is before I actually understood really what it meant to give my life to Christ. But I remember as a teenager being so excited about going to this one Pentecostal church. And I I went every single Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night for a year and a half. I still remember that today. And I remember how good I felt about doing that, about achieving that, that I never missed a single Sunday morning, Sunday night or Wednesday night for a year and a half. And then one day I went on vacation with my grandparents and I messed that up. And guess what? After that, things were different for a while. Uh, and, and, and so, I, I mean, and what happened was, you know, these things, you know, I started to feel like, you know, when I did these things, I was in a right and real and good relationship with God. God loved me. I was earning his favor. And and then if if I wasn't doing those things, you know, if if I skipped, you know, reading the scriptures for a couple days or a month, <gasps> a month? Seriously? Um then then yeah, I, I'm not in a good real place with my relationship with God. If I it got to the point where if I'm not going to church, I'm not in a good relationship with God. So so I go to church. And then I got into a really sticky, stinky place. And that is where I'm going to church, but I don't like it anymore. 
you know, and, and when I say going to church, I'm talking, I'm not talking about fellowshipping and having community with other believers. I'm just talking about the Sunday morning ritual that happens every Sunday. And it's, it's the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over. And I mean, okay, this is the almost daily devotion. I really need to not do that for the next 23 years of my life because that's exactly what I don't want to do anymore is do that over and over again. The same old boring thing over and over again. Um, if, if I want to, if I want to be together with believers, I want to do it because I have a heart and a desire to do it, which by the way, I do, uh, but not because I'm compelled to by obligation and because this is what it has meant for me. I've, I've really struggled with being a slave to the obligations that have been placed by a religious institution and not by God, my father. All right. Um, it, it, it's it's just crazy. And let me let me tell you what I've been doing. I've been reading this book that's called So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore. And it's by uh, Wayne Jacobson and somebody else. Anyway, I'm sure you'll find it just under those things. But anyway, uh, so you don't want to go to church anymore. And I've been and and it opened my eyes to so much. And it, and and I try to tell people it's not just this book. It's not one of those things where, man, Cliff read one book and wow, look out world. You know, that must be a very dangerous book to read. No, this is something that God's been laying on my heart for for months, year and and even years. And, and I can clearly <clears throat> trace back all of this stuff. But this book is the finally it was like the last straw kind of deal. And I, I want to read to you something uh, that this thing talks about, and it's talking about church attendance and and these and these things that we feel like we must do all the time. All right, and this is what this book says. It says, "There is nothing the Father desires more for you than th- to fall squarely in the lap of His love and never move from that place for the rest of your life." God's plan from the days of creation to the day of the second coming was designed to bring people into the relationship of love that the Father, Son, and Spirit have shared for eternity. He wants nothing less and nothing else. This is no distant God who sent his Son with a list of rules or rituals to practice. His mission was to invite us into his love, into a relationship with God the Father, that Jesus described as friendship. What do we do? We are so quickly captured by a work-driven religious culture that thrives on guilt, conformity, and manipulation that it devours the very love it seeks to sustain. In Ephesus, it was ferreting out false teachers. In Galatia, it was getting everyone to observe the Old Testament rituals. Today, it's convincing people to cooperate with the quote-unquote church program. It doesn't matter what leads people away from God's life. Anything will do, as long as it preoccupies them enough to serve as an adequate substitute for the real thing. It's easier to see the problem when the standard is circumcision, circumcision in Ephesus than it is than when it's Sunday morning attendance in your own hometown at the local thing that they call church. 
But both can lead to the same thing. Bored and disillusioned believers no longer embracing the Father's life. And then it says, uh, further into the book, it says, wouldn't it be a joy to wake up confident about being loved by God every day without having to earn it by any act of righteousness on your part? The secret of first love, and of course this is referring to um, Revelation where he wrote the church to the church about, you know, you, you know, you do this, you, you need to return to your first love. You're neither hot, you're not cold. You're, return to your first love. Remember what it was like when you first came to Christ. Remember, you, you didn't feel like you had to earn it. You just knew that God was pursuing you, that he loved you, and, and that he, he wants a relationship with you. This is the secret to first love. And this is where the book continues. Don't try to earn it. Know that you are accepted and loved, not for what you can do for God or somehow hoping that you will be worthy of his acceptance. Because you know what? And I'm adding this in here. Because I'm not. I can't do anything. I can't earn any of this by doing anything for God. I can't do any of this by uh, being worthy. I'm not worthy of his acceptance. I'm not. So it says, not for what you can do for God or somehow hoping that you will be worthy of his acceptance, but because his greatest desire is to have you as one of his children. And I remember this. Wow, I forgot. I really did. But I remember now that God's greatest desire is to have me as his child. And, and you know what? As a father, I know how much I eagerly desire a relationship with my kids. Even when they don't do things that are worthy of my love, I love them anyway. And if I am a wicked, you know, sinful, evil human being, you know, person, how, how great is God's love for me? Oh, my goodness. To think that I would be better than God you know, with my unconditional love, which, by the way, my my love is still, even as a father, very much conditional, and I hate it. And sometimes that's that's where I get into the problem. I think that God loves me the same way I love my kids sometimes, or because I get angry with them. And and I'm not even going to go into any issues that I had with you know daddy issues in my past. But you know, I I I struggled a lot thinking God was an angry God. Uh, that that every time I did something wrong, he was mad and that he required, you know, re- well, re- required repentance. And, and I, I believe in repentance. I believe it. I, I, I know God wants me to not sin, to go against, to not go against his will. I understand. But he loves me anyway. That's the, that's the good news. This is the good stuff. Anyway, Jesus came to remove any obstacle that would prevent that from happening. Prevent what from happening? from us being his to, to have a relationship as his, as a, as his child that that's Jesus came to remove any obstacle that would prevent that from happening that's what Jesus came for Jesus didn't come to to give us a bunch of rules and rituals in fact the apostle Paul had a really huge concern for the 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 Christians in the Galatian church and the church in Galatia And this is coming from Galatians uh, 4 and 5. 
And what was happening was, you know, they, there were there were among the Galatians uh, a group of believers who who had been practicing, you know, the Jew, Jewish law and rituals and and principles and all these other things that 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 their their whole life. And and when they became Christians, they, um, you know, they they felt the freedom and the joy and the passion for loving God, and and. Paul celebrated that life with them. But then all of a sudden he hears words of people who are saying, well, you got to do this. And, you know, well, you know, you, all these new believers coming in, they have to do this and they have to do that. And 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 even those who are believers, you know, already, you, you, we need to do this. We need to do that. And so in, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 11, Paul wrote this. He says, formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather this, rather that you are known by God, I love that he corrects himself here. So, Because I, I, I get that. And, and, and think about know God and, and known by God, or even think about, but now that you love God, or no, forget that, that you are loved by God, whatever, listen to this. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Or the NIV says that it can also be translated principles. In fact, I have two different NIV Bibles, and one says forces, one says principles. So I'll even read it this way. How is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles. Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. So this isn't just about circumcision, all right? This is not only circumcision. This is... I mean, they're they're going through the whole rituals. You know, it's like, oh, well, this is the year of this. This is the feast of this, and and we have to do this, and we have to do this. And you know, it's like he Paul Paul's frustrated. He's like, listen, you are free in Christ. You, you don't understand. I I fear that I have somehow wasted my efforts on you because Christ came to set you free from any obstacle that would get in the way of having a relationship as his child, and he loves you. Yes, faith without works is dead, but you are saved by grace. You're, you're, you're in a relationship with our Father by grace through Jesus Christ and the righteousness that he has counted towards your account. You do not have to do those things to earn any of this. I fear that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. And, and then he goes on in Galatians 5, 1 through 6, he says this. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And my friends, this is not slavery to sin. This is slavery to good works that you think are going to gain you acceptance with God. Now, do I believe that good works are the fruit of the Spirit and that they are a a sign that God's Spirit is within you and working? Absolutely. 
faith without works is like a screen door on a submarine, right? That's what Rich Mullen says. Uh, but anyway, you know, it, 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 you have, there, there will be works, but you don't have to do works. Works do not gain you that relationship, not in the beginning. And see, this is what I, it's like, well, of course it doesn't gain you initial relationship, but man, you have to keep the works up to keep God happy with you, right? To keep him from being angry with you, right? No, it's wrong. It is for freedom that Christ has come to set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. In fact, Paul continues, he says, Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the entire law, the whole thing, everything. He must do everything right. You know, so if you if you think there's anything that you must do to continue to remain as God's child, do you if you think there's anything you have to do that you're obligated to obey, then you're ob- obligated to obey the whole life because then you are saying that Christ's righteousness that's been imputed on you is not enough. And so he says again, I declare it, you you have you have to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law or these obligations or whatever the case may be for you, those of you who are being who are trying to be justified by the law have alienated, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. That's some deep stuff. He says, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. You see, it's the righteousness of Christ that we hope in, not by these doing these things. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Well, my friends, I want to tell you right now, um, I was circumcised at birth. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to tell you right now, but I just was thinking, I, you know, I, 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 it's one of those things. Okay, <laughs> where did that come from? <laughs> That's hilarious. I can't believe I just said that. Not that I mean it matters or anything like that, but let me tell you, um, I, I have not been struggling with should I be circumcised or should I not be circumcised? I've not been struggling with the Old Testament rituals and stuff like that. Well, okay, maybe one of them. And that's a whole nother story, a whole nother time. Uh, and not even going to go there. I've already opened up a big old can of worms here for myself. But let me tell you, I have come back to the to my first love. And I realize that that all of these things that I had been trying to do, I you know, there's a time back in uh, from January through May of this year where I got up every single morning at 5 a.m read the scriptures for an hour every morning, spent time in prayer every morning, and I felt really good about my relationship with God. I did. I was going to church. I didn't like church. I was, you know, the Sunday morning deal. I was going to it. Didn't like it, but I was going. Um, and and you know what? I felt really good about doing those things. And, and I'm like, see, God, I'm doing this. You happy with me? Are you happy? Hold on. I'll do some more. You know, and, and, and man, I went on vacation and, and 
miss church a couple weeks and and then all of a sudden I'm like I got out of my routine of getting up early, got out of my routine of reading the scriptures every morning and I'm like, "Oh, God must not love me right now." And I know that sounds crazy and I know that that's not what the institutionalized church teaches, although there are some things that I question there as well, but uh we'll get into that in future stuff, but uh my friends, uh, this this is where I've come to understand is that I came to a place where I felt like I needed I needed to, to to continually do things to continue to be worthy of God's love. And the good news, and I remember it December 9th, 1991. The good news is that I'm not worthy. The good news is that I don't have to do anything. I am not required or obligated to do anything to lay in the lap of my heavenly father's love and 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 nothing matters more than just for me to be free in that and to love him and to and to and to allow that to change and affect my life through the power and the leading of the holy spirit so that that love from my father overflows into the lives of the people that I do, uh, that I do life with other believers in Christ who I eagerly want to get together with because I know whether I am whenever I am gathered with two or more of them that we are coming together and that God is in our presence not that he's not in my presence now when I'm alone but because he is but but that that God will hear us and 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 that he will Okay, not that he won't hear me now. Anyway, you get the idea. I want to be in relationship with other believers, and I want to be in relationship with those who are not believers, and I want to express to them that they're, you know, I don't want to go around saying, you're not worthy, you're not worthy, but the fact is, is when they come and say, I'd love to to believe in God, but I'm just not good enough, or, you know, I just don't believe he existed, and I tried going to church, and I've been burned out, and I I, I did this, and I just want to share the good news with people. Uh, whenever God opens the opportunity, not that I'll ever make anybody a project of mine. One of my biggest frustrations is this whole idea of of putting a list of names on a sheet of paper in your wallet and and calling them a certain group of people who you're praying for that that you know, it's like that they become your project. And and man, I tell you, that's just so not what I and I remember from. God laying on my heart, I, I, I wasn't somebody's project. I was, I was God's project. I was pursued by my heavenly father and the spirit of God is the one who pursued me and, and, and called me and I heard his call and I didn't have to do anything. You know, that prayer, even, even that came from him. My faith in him came from him. It was all a gift. It was given freely. And my, my friends, it is for freedom that Christ came to this world to set us free. That, my friends, is what happens when you go several months without recording an almost daily devotional. You notice this this episode is not about me dumping and and forfeiting the obligations of leaving the church. This is this is me saying I am in love with my heavenly Father. I am experiencing a relationship with him that I have not experienced in 20 years. And I am back with my first love. And I am in love with him madly. Madly.
And I pray that Christ will set you free from all the things that you think you might be able to do to earn his love. Because guess what? He loves you anyway. God bless you all.